Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Compass Group International, and welcome to another episode of Expat Thailand. Today in this episode, I'm going to talk about a fantastic article that I just read and many other similar articles, which were what is the difference between new money, so new money wealth and old money wealth. And this is quite an important episode for those of you that are seven figure earners, that are multimillionaires, and those of you that are planning to get there. You're very, very close in making your first million dollars or even your first $10 million. So there's a very, very distinct difference between the two. So let's talk about new money wealth. New money wealth is what you see everywhere. And new money wealth, it doesn't really matter how old you are, but majority of them are going to be maybe in their 40s or 50s or even 30s, some in their 20s, they can be crypto bros, you know, or online influencers. But new money wealth is all about the flash. It's all about buying a big ass house as close to the road so every mofo driving by there knows that's your big ass house. Driving the most audacious cars, Bugattis, uh, Rolls Royce, or even having it chauffeured, even having a chauffeur for you, and the most blinged out watches. You know what's really funny is, you know, as you know, I'm a huge watch connoisseur, and you know, a few decades ago, the rich only really looked at Cartier or Piaget or even Rolex. Well, now you know people are getting wiser when it comes down to choices from wristwatches. You know, they're they're coming to understand that there are better brands like Panerai, there are better brands like uh, Patek Philippe or Audemars. So you're seeing these young people with literally $150,000 watches, million dollar watches on their wrists. So it's, it's all about the bling, it's all about the flash. But there's huge repercussions because when you look at new money wealth, they are the fastest to get scammed because easy, you know, as fast and as easy it was to make their money, it's even faster for them to lose it. So I'll get to that in just a second. Then the same article talks about the differences in old money wealth. Old money wealth is, and these are, these can be multimillionaires, but they prefer to have a home that's a little bit more private. Maybe they are going to have a big ass freaking estate but it's tucked way in the back behind this long driveway behind the gates because they don't want the public to see the type of homes they own or the type of home they live in. They drive a nice car, but they're not driving half a million dollar, million dollar cars. Maybe it's a $100,000 Mercedes S-Class. I know people that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars that can afford any car. They can afford a million, two million dollar car but they prefer to drive a Range Rover or even a Mercedes S-Class. So it's not quite in your face. They're not, you know, they're wearing maybe an old Rolex Datejust or Daydate that they bought maybe 20, 30 years ago. Many times these individuals don't even wear watches. I have met multimillionaires that don't wear watches. And if they do a wear watch, it's like 
the Casio Iron Man, like one of those digital watches. Or now, more so than ever, everyone's wearing their smartwatch, whether it's an Android watch or an Apple watch. And then in addition to that is the standard they have. So they know that as hard it was as it was to make their money, because older wealth, it took more time to get there. Where new wealth, it's quick. It's quick where an influencer gets popular within 12 to 24 months, they're raking in millions and millions of dollars in YouTube views and sponsorships and so forth. Or crypto bros uh, that, you know, with whether they're investing in some meme coin that went up 40 or 50,000%, you know, it's easy come, easy go. But the old wealth, it took more time and they remember how hard it was to make their first million and then their first 10 million and the next 20 million. So they live actually below their means. Yes, they can afford anything. They can go and afford to buy a private jet, but they choose not to. Instead, they may fly business class, not first class, but business class because business class is enough. They're going to have nice accessories, but a lot of their accessories don't have logos in it. And that's a big distinction between old rich or old money and new money. New money, you look at someone, it's like literally like they're wearing all the accessories of Louis Vuitton or Gucci. It looks like Gucci just fucking threw up on them. It's like their hat, their shirt, their pants, their shoes, all, you know, Gucci, 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 Gucci. Or LV, 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 LV. But when you look at, so I don't know if you guys are aware, but Louis Vuitton has another brand. And this brand is really only known to the ultra high net worth. It's buying Louis Vuitton accessories, clothing, and so forth, handbags, but it doesn't have the logo on it. That's the big distinction. It's in your face wealth, it's new money. And privacy is more old money. The people that I work with is more old money. These are individuals that are older, worked freaking hard for their money, and are a little bit more conservative. I have worked with some new money, but they're not always fun because they don't want to listen to you. And again, because the difference between new money and old money is old money is always willing to listen. They know the, the art of listening they have perfected it they know the advantages of listening because they know they're not the smartest person in the room there's always someone that's smarter and richer than them where new money they feel that they're the richest person in the room even if they're not they feel that they're the smartest person in the room and they are very hard to follow direction so why am I making this episode I'm making this episode and how it relates to Thailand is I recently posted a fantastic episode. It's one, of my, it's one of my more popular newest episodes I released, which is why you have a higher probability of being scammed in your Western country in your backyard than here in Thailand. And I gave a case study of a dumb doctor deal of how he was scammed. And how it relates to Thailand you know, with this new money and old money is you do see both. You see new money and old money. You see the flash, but not as much. 
not as much as Western countries. But especially if you're going to places like Japan and even Singapore or Taiwan. Taiwan, Taiwanese are notorious to want to hide as much as wealth they can. They don't want, they're multimillionaires, but they don't want you to know it. And there's a, there's a strategy on they do it and why they do it. Because number one, it doesn't open them up to bad players. So when you look at new wealth, new wealth, like I said, is they made the money fast, but they're also one of the fastest to lose it because of less scammers. Because new wealth, they want to be as most popular person in the group and they want to have as many people worshiping them as they can. And with that comes a huge consequence. It comes with a lot of bad players trying to befriend you, trying to establish a relationship with you, but in the back of their mind, trying to scam you, embezzle you, put you in bad investments. When you look at a lot of the Ponzi schemes, the new Ponzi schemes, yes, Bernie Madoff uh, you know, was a huge one and he got a lot of old money, but when you look at the new Ponzi schemes, who's our target? It's new money. It's the ones that just recently became multimillionaires because they're the, because they, they want money fast. They're like, oh, wow. You're telling me I can get 60%, 100% return every single month? Yeah, here's a million dollars. So here in Thailand, one thing that I love about Thailand is there's a lot of wealth here, but you don't know it. And Thailand, being around an environment where you know, as you slowly integrate yourself into society, especially in the upper class, and you see and you know people that are fucking rich, but they don't look it, you learn from that. So you're not tempted. You know, and again, we as human beings, we make decisions based on emotions. Everything we do is based on emotions. The stuff that we buy, the stuff that we do, the person that we marry, it's all based on emotions of how you feel, how that person makes you feel, how that materialistic thing makes you feel, how buying that, driving that car in that new home, how does that make you feel? But Thailand eliminates that because you don't have that temptation. And that is a great thing. We don't have the temptation of keeping up with the Joneses. That's why I always feel the place that you made your money. So let's, let's say that you live in LA. You've lived there for 30, 40 years. That's where you made $10 million. Well, after you made your money, you need to get the fuck out of there. Why? Because in that three to four decades, you've developed bad habits. You're surrounded by bad players. And eventually, you're going to lose a big chunk of it because 
the temptation of keeping up with the Joneses to live above your means is more tempting because it makes you feel inadequate. You made a measly $10 million, but uh, you have the smallest house in a block, but a person you know, that lives in another subdivision over, uh, you know, their home is 10 times more and they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars and you want to be like them. All that type of temptation is eliminated here. And I know firsthand what it's like because I, like everyone else that have made seven figures, it was easy come, easy go. I certainly learned my lesson because even though I came, you know, I'm not the first person in my family to make a million, to make over a million dollars. I come from generations of families that are over seven figure earners and they've kept it. But for me, I have the mentality of new money. Living in Huntington, living, then moving to Newport Beach, wanting to show the world how successful I am. That's what Western countries do. That's what living in your place does. It's a means to the end. If you don't believe me, just take a good hard look at your life and the people that you're surrounded with. Take a good hard look that if you maybe would have moved away from that place 10 years ago, you would be maybe twice as rich or even 10 times richer. Because the problem with bad players is they're always bringing you deals and not all of them are good. The majority of them are always bad. They're getting a commission. It's some sort of Ponzi scheme. It's just, you know, you're working with individuals that they've done this only for the first time. So they're not reliable. They have no track record. You know, in that episode, when I was talking about dumb doctor deals of this case study of this uh, poor sucker that got, you know, robbed of $2 million. Being here in Thailand, as I stated in that episode, kind of shelters you from that. Because first of all, you can be really private because the neighborhood you live in, you may live in a subdivision with only about 30 homes and the homes are ranging from one to $3 million. Those are some pretty rich people that live there and majority of them are probably gonna be Thai and they're very private. You're not going to have that temptation of wanting to keep up with the Joneses. Instead, you're going to spend your time on all the other hobbies that you've always wanted to do. I'm talking to uh, this one older expat. He's in his, I think he was late 50s or early 60s. Kid you not, the way the guy was shaped, he looked like he was like 45, like in his mid 40s. But he was telling me, I, I, I was sitting there, I was watching uh, kiteboarding on the beaches of Wahin. And, uh, and then he, and he had a little dog and I was playing with his dog and then we got into talking and he's like, yeah, he's like, I moved here. Uh, he actually, uh, moved from the UK, uh, has lived in Hua Hin, uh, for about five years and he kiteboards every single day. 
And for those who don't kiteboarding, man, you get a really good upper body workout. Works your core, works every part of your upper body, and even parts of your leg, your thighs, you know, because you have to balance your quads. So it's a mix of like snowboarding with an upper body workout. So he's in great shape. And he never thought about kiteboarding. He took it up because he moved to Huahin and he thought it was cool. Took some, took some lessons and eventually bought a rig. But Thailand allows you to fill your time with things that you love and that you are passionate about or things that you're interested in as opposed to trying to keep up with the Joneses and show everybody how successful you are. You love the golf, you always want to take up golf, you can do that here in Thailand. Love to play tennis, but maybe your rotor cuffs are kind of getting worn out, you need something that's a little bit less impact. Okay, well pickleball's here too. Fastest growing sport in America. You want to, you've always want to learn martial arts. Well, obviously, our national sport is, is Muay Thai. Thai boxing, kickboxing. You want to learn a new language is here. You want to, you've always, even though I don't recommend it, but let's say you've always wanted to open up a little bar at the beach. You don't care if it makes money. You just want to break even. You just love being around people. You just always wanted to help. You can do that. That's what Thailand does. That's what being this part of the world does is that you can be rich, but you can be private. You can be rich and you can be protected from people trying to scam you. As opposed to living in your country and retiring. Higher probability of being scammed. Higher probability of spending more than you should, so living above your means, overextending yourself. I've done it. You know, you see a couple of neighbors pull up a brand new Ferrari, like, oh man, I can't afford a Ferrari, but may I buy an Aston Martin? That's good. You know, it's just this temptation. It just it surrounds you, especially if you're living in very materialistic areas like in California or Southern Florida or even New York. There's always going to be someone that's richer and more successful and better looking than you. Always. But here, you're not, your ego is not going to suffer and take a hit because here, if you're rich, you are the shit. You have a ton of credibility. People worship you. They look up to you. As long as you're not treating people like shit, but people really look up to you. You feel like you're rich. You don't feel inadequate. That's what the difference is. And I hope this really hits a point, you know, strikes a nerve with some of you, because some of you that are listening to this are extremely successful. But deep inside, even with all your successes, all your nice stuff in your houses and cars and accessories, you still have this little bit of insecurity. And that little bit of insecurity will eventually become your downfall.
Or if you come here, that little bit of insecurity is going to be gone because you'll be filling with stuff that's going to extend your life, extend your health, extend your mental well-being, going to be around a better crowd of people. You just overall going to feel fucking fantastic. And that's the idea. That's what retirement should be, folks. I talk about retirement a lot and how to do it is because everybody perceives retirement the wrong way. It's not just looking at the financial income. It's not just looking at the financial snapshot. A large part of retirement has to do with Are you going to be healthier, mind, body, and soul? And is this place going to help you extend your life? Or is this place going to help you with maybe losing weight and becoming healthier, help you from your depression issues? Is it going to fill your time with all sorts of cool stuff that you have access to right from your fingertips? Everything is convenient. Everything is close. I can assure you that you don't have that type of convenience where you live now. I don't care where you live. I don't care if you're living in Beverly Hills, in Westwood, you know, freaking Hamptons, or South Beach, or Miami, even Dallas or Houston, or in Summerlin, Las Vegas. You don't have that. Because it's what you don't, what many don't understand is you're rich, you live in your Western country, maybe you're in London, you're worth $20 million, you think you have a great life, but what you don't realize is just a little bit further, like a place in Thailand, your life is going to change so much more for the positive. And you're going to add so many things to your life that you just never, ever expected before. You're like, wow. One day you're just going to fucking wake up here and be like, wow. My life is really great. I'm just really happy here. You know, one episode I was talking about uh, through a mutual friend that uh, my friend has. You know, he moved from the East Coast and moved to Thailand. And like many of us, we said the same exact thing. I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I moved to Thailand because I really thought I was happy. I really thought I had a great life where I was. But when I moved to Thailand, my life was better, realizing that my life back in the West wasn't good at all. It wasn't healthy. That's key to retirement. It's not talking about cost of living and real estate and all that shit it's yes that's a small part of it but where you retire and where you decide to retire has to incorporate all the stuff that's emotional you know there are so many people uh, that are older that miss the opportunity because they're too old to travel now 
you know, maybe in their 50s and 60s, they're saying, hey, you know what, maybe I'll go to Latin America, retire, go to Southeast Asia, go Southern Europe, someplace where it's cheaper. They keep talking about it, talking about it. The next thing you know, they're 70 years old. Next thing you know, they're 80 years old, and there's no way they can move. And they just realized that they wasted 20 to 25 years of being miserable when their life could have been better. That's why I myself, you know, my early 50s, I, that's why I'm, I'm pretty much retired, semi-retired. Still it's working for fun and finding other little side hustles that are fun. But I do it for fun because my life is filled with so many other great things than working. Like, if you're asking me, it's like, so Will, what do you do? What do you do all day? Let me just kind of give you an average week. So my wife and I, we work when we want to. My wife takes on clients, corporate training clients, when she wants to. They schedule around her. And with myself, because I'm only taking maybe two, maybe three clients a year, very, very easy. Not a lot of stress. So every single month for at least a week, we're traveling somewhere. Whether it's going back to Taipei or Singapore, going to Laos, going to Vietnam, going to Cambodia. We're going somewhere internationally, leaving Thailand. Because Taiwan is only three hours away. Round trip ticket, as low as $200. Going to Singapore, same thing, about 200 bucks. So we're going somewhere because we love to travel. And then also in the same month, we're spending time in our beach home. Whether it's on one side of the coast or the other side of the coast. And we don't have to hop in a plane to do that. Just hop in a car, either drive an hour and a half or drive two and a half hours. And then the rest of the time, we're in Bangkok. But what do I do? You know, when my wife and I, we usually go to bed around midnight now. We're in the States, remember way back when? I was like in bed by like 9 or 10. Why? Because I just fucking bored. Here, we're in bed at midnight almost every single night because there's always stuff that we're doing. So we go to bed late, we get up, uh, not too early, but right around, let's just say right around 9, 9.30 a.m. And then how we start our day is we, we do intermittent fasting, so we don't eat till 12 p.m., till at least till 12 p.m. So as part of a regimen, my wife, every single morning when she wakes up, she likes to work out at home or work out, work out at the clubhouse. So she'll do like an online, online yoga or Zumba or body pump or something like that, which she's very disciplined in doing stuff like that. When she has her mindset to do something, oh, she can just, she just that's why she's so successful. Just very disciplined. That's why she graduated number one in her class for a master's degree. Where me, I am not quite as disciplined. The way I am is probably like most of you. I do things based on how I feel that day. How does it make me feel? Do I feel like going to the gym? I'll go. If I don't feel like going to the gym, fuck it. I'm not going to go. But majority of the time, my wife comes down before I do. 
does her Zumba class or does something, works out for about an hour. But I'm in bed reading for an hour, at least an hour. Macroeconomics, world finance, blockchain technology, real estate. I'm looking for trends. That's all I do. I read all day. But the first thing in the morning, I want to know what the hell happened. And, and then I, I'm reading throughout the day in spurts. But throughout the day, I am probably reading at least four hours, at least four hours, mostly on finance, finance and real estate. And finance, I am including TradFi, traditional finance, and DeFi, decentralized finance, blockchain. But more so, blockchain technology. That encompasses 75% of my reading. <clears throat> Why? I don't want to just be an expert. I want to master this. Sorry, that was my stomach growling because I'm eight yet. <laughs> so that's what I do in the morning. Then after I'm done reading, I'll come downstairs and then I will just kind of hang out, my, hang out with my wife. You know, there's always something that we're talking about. My wife and I, you know, we don't, we're not two couples that sit there and don't talk. You know, we're always, there's always something to talk about. And every single one of our homes, we have one of these really expensive massage chairs. So uh, come down, you know, my wife and I would talk, I'd ask her how, she, how her workout was and is there any tweaks that she, you know, I can recommend for her because of my background in health and fitness. And then we take turns in sitting a couple of rounds in a massage chair, our full body massage. Then by that time, it's around 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, most of the time, we want to go out, get something at lunch. Either if it's some place that we can walk to or someplace within a short drive. One of the great things of retirement because we're foodies is finding new places to eat. We just Freaking love to eat, folks. I don't know about you, but I'm a foodie and then some. I just love to eat. And I love to eat all sorts of different types of cuisines, try something new. So we'll go out for lunch, grab some lunch. Then after that, uh, maybe grab some coffee. My wife doesn't drink coffee. She'll maybe drink some tea or something. And then come back home. And then at home, I'll start reading again. And then my wife will do some reading or do, catch up with some other stuff or maybe, you know, talk to one of her relatives. She talks, she's very close to her mom, so she'll talk to her mom. So I'm reading again for about another hour, hour and a half. And then if I decide to, I'll go to the gym. Whether it's here at the, one of the clubhouses or at a traditional gym. But I go to the gym, I don't go every single day. I average about three or four times a week. Just realizing that as you get older, intensity is important. So when you're at the gym, you better, it better be balls to the wall. You better train hard, but train safely, you know, with not a lot of high impact, like on your knees and so forth. So training smart, but also you need to have the right amount of recovery. So sleep is also another subject that I'm reading about and really getting to master and understand the art of a peaceful and restful 
deep sleep. Folks, if you think that's ridiculous, I'm sorry to tell you that one of the reasons why you are unhealthy mentally and physically is probably because you're not getting enough sleep. If you think you're getting enough sleep, you're not getting deep sleep, REM sleep. That's healing sleep. And by focusing on that, my wife and I, by using techniques, also using our, wearing our smartwatches so we can track our, our sleep, we just feel freaking great. We don't take naps, folks. Don't take naps. Never tired. Never tired. Because we get a really deep, restful sleep. So late afternoon, let's say I'll go and work out. And it's usually about an hour and a half to two hours. Splitting up one hour of, you know, uh, of just slow cardio, throwing about 30 minutes of weights, and the last 30 minutes, deep stretching. Because, and again, not just having a restful, peaceful sleep. One thing I realize is, is that as you get older, you have to make sure you have mobility, flexibility, and balance. So I spend a good solid 30 minutes working on flexibility and balance. Why? Because I want to be 80, still be able to pump out 20 pull-ups and run a 5K without hurting. I want to be 90 to be able to do that, be 100. For those of you that aren't thinking about that now and you're in your 50s, 40s, or even 60s, I'm telling you, when the time comes that you start regressing and all these aches and pains start to get worse, you deteriorate really fast. And I've seen it firsthand with family and friends. Friends that are, that have, you know, that know their parents. That once they got injured, man, they just deteriorate. I'm talking within 12 months, 24 months. Just like night and day, like, like one year, they're out driving and walking and independent. 12 months later, they're, they're, they're freaking in a wheelchair or they have to walk on a walker that fast. So that's what I work on as far as when it comes to the health. And part of that, also that stretching stuff, I throw on some meditation. So I meditate at least three, three to four times a week. And then for dinners, it will be either ordering in from a restaurant or going out to dinner. And again, one of the benefits of Thailand is the massive amount of great places to eat. The sad thing is, is that, okay, so whether you're rich or how rich you are, you're not going to go eat at a fucking one to two star Michelin rated restaurant every single night. It just gets, gets too cumbersome. It just gets too, you know, it get, you just get bored. You, doing that every once in a while is good. You know, sitting down for like a, $100 omakase sushi dinner. But what you want is access to a whole shitload of low-priced places to eat. So that means going to a place where my wife and I could sit down, order three to four plates of food, you know, family style, and drinks, and it's going to cost 10 bucks, And it's still a great meal. The same equivalent of states, $40 to $50 or more. 
So our given week, we spend a lot of time going out, doing stuff, eating, drinking, just doing stuff. Like just a few days ago, so we only travel, most of the time when we travel, it's during a work week. It would be like leaving on Monday, coming back on a Friday. Because we hate going on weekends if we don't travel on any holidays because we just don't want to fight with tourists, I mean the crowds, and, and we like the peacefulness and a privacy of being in resorts and places where there are no crowds. So, and then we have that flexibility. So when we're traveling, it's always like Monday through Friday. And also the prices are cheaper too during the week. So aside from traveling and doing all that stuff and going out to dinner and stuff, a large part of what we do is just taking little day trips here and here. Here and there. So just a couple of days ago, after my wife worked out, came downstairs, just talking. She's like, hey, you want to go to IUTI today? I said, yeah, that sounds fun. IUTI, if you're not familiar with that area, it's only about an hour outside of Bangkok. It's the original capital of Thailand. And it's an ancient city. It looks like a mini Angkor Wat in Cambodia. And it's a magical place. It's really, really cool. Uh, you know, we go there, it's only an hour away. We spend some time just walking through some ruins, you know, paying our respects, you know, because they're like temples. And then we go to one of our favorite spots to eat. One of our favorite spots to eat is actually owned by one of our college friends. It's right across the street from very well-known ruins. I, please don't ask me what the name is. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> they cater to just Thai, but it's a fantastic place. It's an indoor-outdoor restaurant. Not just the fact they have great food, it's a great place to drink. So we sit there on the second floor eating, just eating for like two to three hours and drinking. I'll have some beers. My wife will drink some teas or, or maybe like a diet soda or something. And they also have dessert. And we're on the second floor so we can also see parts of the ruins from the second floor. So it's a fantastic view. So we'll have like an early dinner, spend our time, take our time, and then drive back home. Uh, a, a couple weeks ago, uh, same exact thing. Woke up in the morning, walked downstairs after my wife's workout. She was like, what do you want to do today? I said, hey, you want to go to ch somewhere in Chomburi and grab some seafood? Okay. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Chomburi, so Chomburi is a big, large province, just kind of borders, kind of Bangkok, Samaprakan. And Chomburi is the home of large beach cities like Pattaya and, and Jongtian. But Chomburi is just huge. It's the closest beach area to Bangkok. So, so Pattaya, which is part of Chomburi, is not the closest beach city. So you can go to the city of Chomburi and actually be at the beach, depending on where you are in Bangkok, within 45 minutes. So we're in the outskirts of Bangkok, so we can be there like in about 30 minutes. So we decided to go to Chomburi because there's a lot of fantastic seafood restaurants right on the water. Just great view of the ocean. And he had this really tasty, fresh seafood that was caught that morning. So it's only like a 45-minute drive. And it's a nice drive. So we drive, we got drive there, go directly to the restaurant. Uh, it will be, you know, a little after 12. 
we have a seafood lunch, a big, huge lunch. It's so big that we, we're probably not going to have dinner. And then, and again, it's a two to three hour lunch. Just enjoying the view, enjoying the ambiance, tasting all the different dishes, ordering a little bit of this, a little bit of that, drinking some beer. Then after that, Chonburi is known actually for specific type of snacks, whether it's dried squid or stuff like that. So we'll go to some of these places that sell these little snack shops and we'll kind of just browse and buy some snacks for ourselves and also for our families and then come back home. Another time, we decided uh, one morning uh, to go to Chantaburi. Chantaburi is about a three and a half hour drive. Chantaburi is a city that's also on the coast. So basically, you're the, as you're driving down Pattaya and Jyotin, you pass all that. So it's further going down. It's about another hour and a half from like Jyotin. So in Chonburi, not just the fact they have great seafood restaurants, like even cheaper than Chonburi or in Bangkok, but also Chonburi is the home of some of the most fertile soil in Thailand. Some of the best durian and fruits come from Chonburi. So we decided one morning to leave, go to Chonburi, eat at a seafood restaurant, and because it's, it's, uh, it's mangosteen and durian season, to also buy some mangosteen and durian. So we go fruit shopping, there's a little... There's a little downtown area, just kind of walk around. There's some areas in the beach you can also walk and then drive back home. And I drive back home, we just get a little snack somewhere, small dinner somewhere. That's retirement, folks. That's the way retirement should be. It should be carefree. Retirement, you should feel safe. You should feel safe that your funds are safe, that the people around you are safe. They're not there to scam you, to rip you off. They're not there to harm you. You want to be in a place where you have a sense of privacy. Privacy, if you don't realize, folks, it's important. In the world of Facebook, where everyone's like posting every fucking thing they, you know, they do every day, it's like it's coming to a time, folks, and you're seeing the numbers. Less and less people are using social media. I don't use as much. I don't, and you can see, I don't post anything personal on there. Privacy is important to me. Like I said, there will be a day where I would delete all of that. I would delete all my social media pages. But privacy is coming back into popularity, people realizing how important it is. And here in Asia, you can have privacy. But then also, Part of retirement is the freedom to do whatever the F you want, anytime. That's a great thing. Everything is accessible to you at any time. We have done this too. How many of you, when you were younger, said, I want to be rich because I want to be able to wake up one day and say, I'm going to go to Australia. I actually, I said that when I was young. I've actually done that. But he, nobody ever does it. Everyone talks big when they're in high school and college of these grandiose dreams of being rich and buying this and, and, 
and travel. Travel was always a big part of being rich. But here in Thailand, you have that flexibility where one morning, wake up, I hop in a computer to, uh, because I got an email from AirAsia of a whole bunch of promotions to Phuket or to Koh Samui or even to Chiang Mai. Like a hundred bucks or $59. That's like 2,000 baht. And we're like, okay, let's do it. And we'll leave tonight or leave this afternoon or leave tomorrow. Just book it, go. That's the sign of great retirement. That's what you need to have access to. In America, everything is so expensive. Just flying from Las Vegas to LA is like three to $400 now. One of my friends are telling me that the fly from one coast to the other is more expensive than flying internationally. Insane. Absolutely insane. And it doesn't matter how rich you are. But here in Thailand, you have access, accessibility to anything at any time and everything is within your grasp. Everything is within your means. Everything is affordable. So just to kind of sum up this episode, if you are an individual that has all the habits and pitfalls of new rich, you really should reevaluate your life and start changing your habits to be old rich, old money. First of all, you're going to be happier. You're going to be less stressed. In the long term, you're going to be able to retain your money. It's about asset preservation. New money doesn't understand asset preservation. All they understand is aping in and making, like trying to convert $1,000 into $100,000. Trying to convert $100,000 into one or $2 million, literally overnight. But these people lose everything. And folks, I'm not talking about this crypto, I'm talking about also equities and the Forex market and other scams that people get sucked up into. It's time to change your habit. Time to take a step back, breathe in a little bit, not be as flashy, and be a little more self-conscious. Be a little more, more mindful of your actions. And if you're asking yourself, you're like, yeah, easier said than done. I can't do that here. If you're saying that, that's a sure sign you need to move. You need to leave. That's a sure sign, folks. I mean, it's like, you know, the red light is flashing. I mean, the, you're on a train track. The red light's flashing. The arms are coming down. You don't see the train yet, but it's coming. So you better stop and not cross the railroad tracks. But for a lot of you new rich, you don't give a shit. You're like, ah, I'm just going to take my time. I'll just drive around the arms. Even though it's red, I don't see the train. I'm going to take my time. Maybe stop in the middle of the tracks. Be a little daring. Maybe take a picture. You know, take a selfie to show everybody how daring I am. 
how many fucking knuckleheads have, have literally killed themselves from taking a selfie falling off a cliff just to get that one shot. It's so fucking ridiculous. So ridiculous. Thailand eliminates all of that narcissism. I guess that's kind of the gist of all this is the inner narcissism we all have. We either have a little bit of it or we have a lot of it. Everybody has it. Everybody has Even the nicest person has it. A little bit of narcissism. But New Rich, the narcissism is beyond a whole other level. But Thailand, it, it kind of helps you contain that narcissism because of the culture here. People are more humble. People are nicer. People have better manners. And you just automatically kind of change to it. Slowly but surely, but you're changing for the better. Eliminating all those bad habits. So that is it for this episode. I am, well, it's almost time for lunch. So I am going to grab some lunch here. My wife is patiently waiting for me. (laughs) She's listening to me, which is kind of funny sitting on the couch. But thank you so much for joining me. And uh, just one last thing too, is anyone out there, if uh, you're contemplating on moving here to Thailand, want to utilize our services, and you want a better understanding of what we do, refer back, I just posted a recent episode about our consulting services. So what we do on our consulting services, what we do on estate planning, uh, asset acquisitions like real estate, how we set up your estate plans and so forth. Just refer to that episode. It kind of goes in depth with what we do. Um, and I just want to say again, we are the best at what we do. There's hands down nobody that can hold a candle as far as experience in the time of this business. I've been doing this for 20 years. Financial, financial, uh, financially, if you add in my banking years, over 30 years. So not some fly-by-night, not some YouTube influencer that changes their job every, every one to two years. Been doing this long time. And for those of you new, been in Thailand for over a decade. I'm, working, I'm on my 12th year now. Still love it. Still love it. Never, ever move back to the States. Never, ever move back to Latin America. F, no. Don't know why. Refer back to the prior episodes, why Latin America sucks and why it's a horrible place for expats and why Asia is the best place to be. So thank you so much for joining me and I hope to see you in Thailand. Mm-hmm.